Are you ready? This is Mark on the Mic on the A1 Sports Network. Bow to the masters. Break it down. How you doing, everybody? And welcome to the Moffat on the Mic radio show, courtesy of the A1 Sports Radio Network and Zoom. I am Craig Moffat. And as always, this show is not complete without the people's producer, the head honcho, the big cheese, the burger in the background on the door right there. I am talking about the one and only, the founder of the A1 Sports Network, Chris Clark. What's up, Craig? Chris, how was your weekend, Hammer? It was good. How was your Father's Day? It was good. We were busy yesterday. We had like a long, we had a really long day. Like Friday, we were really busy. Like we went, we finally decided that we just had enough of like not seeing people. Right. So we went to a friend's house and like, you know, my kids got to play with, my daughter goes to school with their daughter, so... We got to hang out with them like all day. We didn't leave till like nine o'clock at night. Oh, Kids were in the pool. They they had a lot of fun. Saturday we just stayed in all day. Like we didn't really do anything. <laughs> and then yesterday uh, we went to my my in laws' house for like lunch, and then we went to my dad's for uh, like a dinner. Oh, okay, and that's good. Pretty much got like all day. We were pretty white by the time we got home. We didn't get home until like almost like seven thirty. But um, listen, man, it was very good. I appreciate the shout out on A one. For Father's Day, thank you very much. And, um, you know, my kids will – my hair just magically falls out sometimes with them. <laughs> but for the most part, they are amazing kids, and I love them dearly, and they always make my Father's Day special. So, but uh, enough about that. Clem, it was a crazy weekend in uh, sports. And- oh, absolutely. Like, and you, know, you would think, you know, like with such, like, minimal sports going on, like there wouldn't be this – so much news this weekend. So much. Um, you know, we're going to um, – our next show, we're going to talk about all the stuff going on in wrestling because that alone is a show in itself with everything that's going on. Um, for, what people, from, for people who are kind of tuning in, indie wrestling has pretty much created its own Me Too movement. And a lot of female wrestlers and even some male wrestlers have come out and – just voice there, you know, saying that they were sexually assaulted by wrestlers on the circuit and in the locker room. Some of the stories are crazy and um, some big names have been kind of revealed and that's kind of a big deal right now in wrestling. But that's going to be a separate show. That'll be our next show because that would just take us forever to get into. And, um, you know, of course, a lot of people testing positive for COVID over the weekend, which mm-hmm. is another big deal because as we're getting into the fall and as we're getting into what's come getting very close to football season, bro, training camp's only a month away. Yeah, I know. You know, we have 25 players on the Clemson roster testing positive, another 30, I think, from LSU testing positive, Austin Matthews of the Maple Leafs testing positive, six players on the Phillies. This all happened over the weekend. Yeah, it's like everything's coming out all at once. And it was all because, like, you know, people are starting to, you know, get their training camps going and whatnot. And now everyone's contracting this. Device. And it's like, come on, it's like, geez, man, this is not, this is not the sign you want to see no. from, from these players. So, I mean, right now this is basically COVID-19 basically saying, you thought you got rid of me, but you haven't. And I'm coming back now with a full force because – this could definitely be an issue now with sports kind of starting up again, especially in the college circuit. Maybe not so much on the pros, but definitely in college football. You know, college football players are practicing right now. They're doing summer practices and everything, getting ready for the start of the season, which is starting, I believe, at the end of August. So, I mean, just the stories have been crazy. And that, on top of the wrestling thing, mm-hmm. and, of course, the freaking drama as we'll – We'll devote this show today. We're going to talk a little bit towards the end of the show about the Coliseum, about the Nassau Coliseum shutting down. And, of course, you know, it affects the Islanders. Um, Clem's got his quiz of the day. But we're going to talk about the Jamal Adams thing again right now because uh, I don't know what to make of this. And the more I hear the stories, the more I'm just convinced that Jamal Adams really had no intention of signing a deal anyway. If, Douglas was to offer one. There's 
nothing that makes sense. And I don't fault the Jets at all. I'm not going to fault the Jets on this one. I'm going to throw all the blame on Adams because none of this makes sense. Literally, it snowballed within a span of 24 hours. Mm -hmm. Between the first, when he responded about the Miles Garrett story, then a fan called him out and he basically ripped into the fan. Then, for some reason, unbeknownst to anybody, Antonio Cromartie decided to get involved. Okay? Because, you know, he tweeted out that he talked to Prez and, you know, let's just say I'm not shocked by any of this. That's all he wrote. And when people pressed him on it, he really didn't answer. He said, it was not my place to answer. It's, you know, he was being incredibly vague. Okay? Mm-hmm. So, of course, a lot of people started to get it in their head, Clem. And what do you think that people got in their head right off the bat? This is all Douglas's fault. No. It's all Gase's fault. Oh, Gase, yeah. Okay? So, first of all, and then Ocho Cinco came out and actually – but he asked more of a question like, I don't understand why the Jets aren't paying Jamal Adams right now. He was basically trying to tell people, enlighten me, like, why is this, like, what's the deal? Like, you know, he wasn't really ripping the organization. I think he was just more trying to get educated on the subject. Right. But, um, you know, Cromartie made no sense. Once I, I didn't understand Cromartie's input on this. You know, Cromartie makes me laugh because, again, here is a guy who was pissing on the organization that he played for twice. And this was the organization who gave him an advance on his salary to pay back child support for his 14 kids. 15, I think, because his wife, I think, gave birth recently, like a year or two ago, right, when the vasectomy apparently didn't hold. So, yeah, you know, whatever. I'm going to say it because it's a fact. Um, He... Pretty much not, I won't say begged the team to bring him back, but he basically was campaigning for the Jets to bring him back after the Jets signed Revis for the second time. And then in 2018, I didn't even know this, but the Jets apparently made him a coaching intern. So so the thing is, is like, why does Antonio Cromartie have an ax to grind with the Jets now? What is it? What does this have to do with you? It doesn't. This has nothing to do with you. So please do me a favor. Stay the hell out of it. Nobody cares what you think. Nobody cares that you stir in the pot for no reason whatsoever. And quite frankly, we don't even know what the hell you two talked about. You see, it's very easy for guys like Jamal Adams to sit there and say, well, you know, Gase is the problem. Gase is the reason why I'm doing this. I don't want to play for Adam Gase or whatever. Because he knows that Jet fans don't like Adam Gase. So that's all he needs to get all the fans on his side Mm -hmm. is just to make Gase out to be the Antichrist because that's exactly what the play would be at this point. That's exactly the card he's going to play because then he knows that Jeff is like, oh, well, you know, we got to get rid of Gase and, you know, this is bullshit. We got to get Adams signed or whatever. Jamal Adams created this drama all by himself, okay? He created it all by himself. And Francesa hit the nail on the head the other day, if you watch his radio.com thing on YouTube. The Jets are 16 and 32 with Jamal Adams. 16 and 32. That's two years of Bulls, one year of Gase. Okay? Mm-hmm. So here is my problem. My problem is Jamal Adams is causing – he does not tend to make – guys around him better he's a good player i won't take that away from him and let's call a spade a spade right now he had six and a half sacks last year right Mm -hmm. five and a half of those sacks came against the giants and the redskins yep the giants and the redskins folks two teams two bad teams his one pick six was off of jared stidham as a rookie in a game the jets were getting blown out in So before we anoint Jamal Adams, this insanely good player, this we need him, we need him, you know, this is ridiculous, we need to have him on the roster, you need to look back at those stats. Because against good teams, he was non-existent. Yeah, he wasn't. There were times where I remember watching Jet games, and I'm like, where's Jamal Adams? 
This guy's supposed to be the leader of our defense. Where's he at? I don't doubt his talent. He's a good player. But this drama is being created by him and only him. No one else. Douglas is doing the right thing by sitting back and saying, I'll talk to him when I'm good and ready to talk to him. Yeah. He's under contract for three more years. The thing, about, the thing that makes me laugh even more about this for Jamal Adams, it's completely pointless. If he holds out, he gets fined. And the Jets don't waive that fine anymore under the new CBA. Right. That means he's got to pay it. Normally, teams will just waive the fine just in, the, just in good faith. Back in the day, like when Revis held out all that time, the Jets waived that fine. If Adams gets fined, he has to pay the fine. Yeah. Like he can't – the Jets won't waive it. The Jets can't waive it under the new CBA. And he's going to get fined a ton of money. The other thing, too, is we don't know if we're going to have a season this year. Mm-hmm. We have no idea right now. And off the weekend that we just had with the number of athletes testing positive – for COVID-19, this could easily put, make the NFL pause for a minute and say, okay, wait a minute. You know, we're getting, you know, closer and closer to training camp, which means come August, we may have players test positive all of a sudden. And then what are we going to do? Right. So there's that issue. And because it's a trickle-down effect, we don't know what the salary cap is next year. Because we don't know if fans are going to be allowed to go to the stadiums. And that means the teams aren't going to make money. The teams are going to lose a lot of revenue because they're going to make, they make money off the tickets. They make money off the parking. Just like we said at City Field. So if they don't make that revenue, then teams aren't going to have cash to go pay for free agents next year. Which means the salary cap is going to probably come down. So if you agree to terms with Jamal Adams right this second, you could literally be killing your cap next year. But he doesn't understand that. Mm-hmm. He wants to get paid 10 minutes ago. Yeah. And there is my problem. For a guy who's supposed to be the leader, for a guy when he first got drafted said, and, you know, I'm, I can't quote this accurately, he said, I will make sure I won't do any, I will not embarrass this organization ever. What he's doing is embarrassing the Jets. And the crazy thing is a lot of the fans are killing him. They are. They are killing Prez right now. They, like, I thought it would be more on, you know, fans going towards Douglas and Gase and the Johnsons about this, but it's not. Like, I'm in a bunch of Jet Facebook groups, and everyone it, – I'll say it's most fans are leaning towards Jamal Adams. Like, they want, either want him out of here or to shut his mouth about this whole thing. They're pissed. Yeah. Because this was supposed to be a guy that was supposed to be the leader of the defense and – yeah, I'm, I'm all in on the Jets. I want to be here. I want to be in New York. I want to be in New York. Joe Douglas has said he wants to make you a Jet for life. Mm-hmm. All he's kind of asking for, in not so many words, is be patient. Yeah. We'll get your deal done. We know what we have to do. We don't want to lose you. Yeah. But Jamal apparently wants the deal 10 minutes ago. Yeah. You see, the one thing, like, you know, people, a lot of people are comparing this to when, you know, Darrell Rivas was holding out. The one thing, you know, Darrell Rivas did, wasn't was he wasn't really vocal like like Jamal Adams is. Like, he wasn't, like, the leader of that defense. It was David Harris. It was Sean Ellis. It was Bart Scott. It was all those guys. Darrell, as good as Darrell Rivas was, he wasn't the voice of that defense. Jamal Adams is the voice of the defense. He's so vocal about everything he says and everything. Like, Rivas wasn't like He was just like, just pay me. That's what he he didn't make a mockery of the Jets like Jamal Adams is. Jamal Adams is running the Jets name through the mud, and the Jets are just taking it though. And that's the that's the thing I like about Douglas. He's like, so what? Yeah. He, he can say all these things he wants. Nothing's going to change the fact that what what we have in what we have in plan. And I love that about. Look, Douglas. He's basically saying you're under contract to me. Yep. I expect you to be at camp. If yep. you don't go to camp, I'm going to find you every day that you're not in camp. You're going to have to pay that fine at the end of the at the end when it's all said and done. And oh, by the way, I have you for two more years. So yeah. why am I going to rush to trade you? Because you're out there whining to people. Exactly. But then, here is the cherry on top. And I don't know if you saw the video today. Did you I see the video? Yep. So for those of you who have not seen the video, apparently a fan in Dallas or in Texas. I don't know if it was Dallas. I'm assuming it was because that's where Adams is staying right now. I think he lives in Dallas when he's not in New York. 
a fan saw Jamal Adams in a, some kind of shopping center driving by, said what's up to him, and Jamal Adams said, you know, said what's up back. And the fan asked, are you coming to Dallas? And he said, I'm trying. Okay. Now, there's a couple of things. Number one, that violates the tampering on Adams. He can get fined for that mm-hmm. because he opened his mouth. He's a dumbass because he shouldn't have just – he shouldn't have even said anything, and now he's made it worse. Number two, this makes him totally, totally look like a prima donna and a me-first player mm-hmm. because all he cares about is himself. And I am sick and tired of people like him trying to act like, well, I'm trying to do what's best for me. No, you're not. You're trying to get what you want. You've been wanting to go to Dallas since last year. That's why you got pissed off that when the Jets were talking to Dallas, you were mad that they didn't get the deal done. Mm -hmm. That's what it's all about. Because he gave his list of teams, and then the other day he was saying how somebody had mentioned that that he would love to go play for Todd Bowles. Why the hell would you want to go play for Todd Bowles? He was a terrible coach in New York. And he was a defensive coordinator of the 28th ranked defense in the NFL. Oh, by the way, last in passing. See, like, none of this makes sense for Jamal Adams. He has zero leverage, as we've already, already said. Yeah. He's under contract to the Jets for three years. So the only card he can play now is to get people so frustrated in the front office of the Jets that they'll ship him out tomorrow. Yeah. And just because you want to go to Dallas, what if I don't want to send you to Dallas? How about I send you to freaking Jacksonville? Well, that's what the – I was listening to the Michael K show just like, like an hour ago, and they were saying that, like, the Giants were, like, kind of happy. Not kind of happy, but I guess, like, the Giants front office was, like, in the back of their mind, like, cheering that they sent him to, like, Cleveland of all places. Yeah. Like, not, 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 not a high-profile city like uh, Miami or out in L.A. or somewhere like that. He's, they sent him to Cleveland. No one wants to go to Cleveland. And no. in the back of their minds, they must have been. Davian like, Clowney doesn't even want to go to Cleveland. He got offered a crazy amount of money to go there, and they say he still said no. Exactly. No one wants to go to Cleveland. So in the back of the Giants, like uh, executives' minds, they were probably like, "Yes, he didn't go anywhere he wanted to go. We sent him to Cleveland." Yeah. Okay? So I mean, Douglas might be doing that. They could be like, you know what? Screw it. You're going to Wisconsin, or you're going to. I'll send you wherever the hell I send you. And yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, exactly. And that's and again though. Now, here's the crazy thing. If I'm Dallas, I'm stepping out of this. I wouldn't get involved in this whatsoever. I would not get involved in this Jamal Adams stuff because, quite frankly, I just don't want – I wouldn't want to be involved in this, like, at all. That's great he wants to come to Dallas. That does not mean that Dallas has to pick up the phone today and call the Jets and say, well, what will it take to get Adams? Mm -hmm. Okay? Because if I'm Douglas, you're not getting Adams unless I'm fleecing your ass. Yeah. That would be great. You're not getting the Adams unless I get a first-round pick, a, red, a week one starter, and maybe even another pick to get, to get Jamal Adams. I'm giving you a golden goose mm-hmm. for Pro Bowl safety with three years left on his contract. And then on top of that, this is, goes to another thing. Adams says that if he gets traded, he doesn't have to sign – it doesn't have to be based on an extension. Yeah. And I think he has this mentality of, like, some of these NBA players, you know. they Like, some of these NBA players nowadays, they just want to go to ready-made teams. They don't want to put in the work with the team they, they, got, tra- they got drafted by. You know, it all, it all started with LeBron, you know, going, forming the super team and going to Miami. And that's what Jamal Adams is doing right now. He's asking to get traded to a Super Bowl-ready team, whether it is the Cowboys, the Eagles, the Chiefs, the Rams. Whoever it is, whoever the Ravens, whatever team he wanted to go to, they were all Super Bowl-ready teams, if not Super Bowl playoff, at least bound teams. You yeah. know, and he has this mentality that, you know, I have to win now. I'm Jamal Adams, and I deserve to be winning now because of how good I am. You don't deserve anything. He deserves nothing. And that's really the, the issue. I respect what Jamal Adams has put on the field for the Jets. I do. Yes. Um, I won't, you know, sit here. I've always said, and you've heard me say it on the show before, I think he's very overrated by the fan base. Hmm. I don't really – I don't think he's as elite as everybody makes him out to be. I think that's more of Jets fans' reaction to the fact that he's a homegrown player that they drafted in 2017. I think that's all it is. I think it's their way of making themselves believe that they don't want to lose him. 
So they built him up to be something that, quite frankly, he's not. Mm-hmm. Yes, Greg Williams figured out a way to use him as a little bit more of a pass rusher. Yeah, I totally get that. And that was a smart move. Okay? But here's the thing, and I put this out to Meta, and that puss didn't even respond to me because he knows I'm right, and that's why. And I totally believe that, too, because every time I make a point on his Twitter page, mm-hmm. he never responds. Never. Not one time. He's, but he responds he, to most tweets, too. That's the thing. And he sits there and he blocks my tweets instead because he knows I'm right. Okay? So, Meta, in typical Manish form, was because this is what he does, whenever a player has a problem, he immediately jumps to the player's defense. He kisses the player's ass. That's what he does. He did it last year with Bell, and now he's doing it with Adams. So what he wrote was, he just put a tweet out, I think it was Saturday, that said, nobody works harder than Jamal Adams. Nobody shows up on game days more than Jamal Adams. This is bullshit, by the way. Nobody has a, a better work ethic than Jamal Adams. Blah, blah, blah. And it was basically his way of saying, you need to pay the guy. Yeah. Okay? So this guy, I, this one other Twitter f- guy took him to task because he said, he basically said, so you're saying that Sam Darnold doesn't have a better, doesn't have as much of a work ethic as Jamal Adams? Because his tweet clearly says, nobody has a better work ethic than Jamal Adams. Yeah. And he turned around and said, no, that's not what I said. Exactly. And he goes, and he basically said, and the kid, and the, I think it was a kid, I think it was like a young guy, I don't know who it was. But he basically said, you might want to read your tweet again because you literally say that in the tweet. And he goes, and Manish got very defensive and he's like, oh, well, I'm not about to sit here and get into like an English lesson with you or whatever. And the guy just ripped him. Guy took him to task on it. And the guy was a thousand percent right. Manish sucks. He's such a, oh my God. He's because he clearly wrote in the tweet that, so you're saying that Sam Darnold, guys like Steve McClendon, who was a great Jet last year, mm-hmm. guys like Terrell Basham, who are really trying to make a name for themselves on this roster, Marcus May, Jamison Crowder, you're telling me Sam Darnold, none of these guys have as good of a work ethic as Jamal Adams. Right. Okay? I don't dispute Jamal Adams' work ethic. I don't. I'm sure he works hard in practice. I really believe that, too. But don't sit there and kiss the guy's ass and make it seem like he's like, without him, like we're literally nothing. Because it's just gotten to the point, like with guys like him. So that they'll say anything just as long as it's against Adam Gase. So what I did was I wrote to Manish and I wrote two things and let me see if I can bring them up. All right. Bear with me one second. All right. Because it just, it bothered me so much because again, he's just a freaking clown. And I want to see if I wrote, Oh, so I wrote, this is a typical made a tweet sucking up to the whining player, but he should get a new deal. But why would I rush to give him one when I have all the leverage as the GM and spare me the quote, nobody works harder than quote, end quote line. Plenty of guys in the roster who work just as hard as him. I put, he's also a bit overrated. Had one INT last season, thanks to Jared Stidham and five of his six and a half sacks last year came against the Giants and Redskins. I put, you're very quick to kill Gase's win total based on schedule. But Adams reaped the benefits of playing bad teams as well. Yeah. Mic drop. Boom. Right? It's, because I'm not wrong. This is a problem with guys like Meta, and this is a problem with Jet fans too. You guys immediately run to the excuse of Adam Gase. That's your scapegoat. That's your fallback every time. And quite frankly, I'm not a Gase, I'm not a Gase guy. I'm not sitting here praising the guy as a good coach or anything because he really wasn't that great but I am sick and tired of this being used as the excuse you know what I'm not a huge fan of my boss at the hotel at the hotel I work at but I respect the guy and I will do the work that I have to do for him Jamal Adams has to learn that he's going to have to just play for guys that he may not necessarily love but he needs to deal with it I just don't get why he's why he's dragging Adam Adam Gase's name through the mud he hasn't yet but that's where it's going, and you yeah. know that's where it's going. Yeah, but I don't understand why, though. There's no reason to. Adam Gase had nothing to do with this defense this past year. Adam, if you want to drag anyone's name, 
through the mud. It'd be Greg Williams, but he's not going to do that because Greg Williams is a fantastic coach, and he did so many good things with that defense last year. He can't. So, but like, I just don't understand why. If there's, there's no point to drag Gase's name through the mud, if if and so when he does, because Gase had nothing to do with this defense. But there are so many factors going on in the NFL right now, and that's what people like Jamal Adams don't understand because they're just all they care about is getting paid. And not many guys get, get new contracts three years out. Yeah. They don't. The only guy so far that's gotten it from the 2017 draft is Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, he's the only one who got a new contract. And I looked it up that Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes did get extensions, but they rightfully so deserved extensions. <laughs> yeah. And the thing is, Mahomes won a Super Bowl. Exactly. And Deshaun Watson so, is another top 10 quarterback in the league. And the thing is, there are people who don't like the Christian McCaffrey contract because for a running back, it's very high. And, it, and the thing is, I, I think it was either Steve Serby or Brian Costello who, you know, it basically wrote that why should the Jets have to, have to put themselves in cap hell just because the Panthers gave Christian McCaffrey a deal? If, if they want to be reckless with spending money on, like, lucrative money on a running back, let them do that. Now, Christian McCaffrey is the heart and soul of that team, of that offense right now, no question. You know, he's a phenomenal player in the yeah. NFL. But everybody always sours on the fact that running backs should not get these big contracts because they're just interchangeable. Mm-hmm. But the problem is, it's just like, imagine Jamal Adams still with the Jets at the end of July when training camp starts. And that video, you know every Jet player has seen that video of him saying, oh, I'm trying, bro, I'm trying to go to Dallas. Okay? Imagine walking into that training camp and you got to look at your player, your teammates in the eye. With that look, like, you're going to walk in there like nothing had happened. Yeah. Like, do you know how – I mean, that's such a slap in the face to guys like Darnold, guys like Steve McClendon and Jamison Crowder, Marcus May, you know, guys that do work hard. And the thing is, is that, you know, when Gase went 6-2 and two last year, nobody wanted to give Gase credit. Nobody, not one person. It was, it was Greg Williams was the reason. That was, the, that was it. And I don't dispute that. Greg Williams was a reason. Not the reason. He was a reason for it. Mm-hmm. There were a lot of factors as to why the Jets went 6-2. and two. Darnold was much more comfortable in Gase's offense towards the second half of the season. 13 touchdowns, four picks. I think a rating of 95, which is very strong. And he had two rushing touchdowns on top of that. For starters, mm-hmm. yes, they had the benefit of playing weaker teams, but that's the schedule. That's not their fault. That's the NFL. Mm-hmm. And you throw some, you give a guy like Gase some props, because quite frankly, if this team really hated playing for Adam Gase, they would have finished one and fifteen. Right. They would not have tried hard. They would. They would have quit the entire season. They would not have played hard for him. I don't care if Greg Williams is a defensive coordinator on the team or not. But it has gotten to the point where Jamal Adams has made this so public that I don't think there's any turning back. But yeah. that's all his fault. And if you think about it, if you're another team out there, do you really want to take this on? How do you know this guy won't be happy when he goes to your team? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. No one wants to – like, he's becoming more of a problem. You know, and someone – I forgot what oh, – I was listening to a, pod, a sports podcast today, and they, were, they mentioned that he might be tearing towards Antonio Brown level of, like – Well, he's pulling an Antonio Brown. Yeah. He's totally pulling an Antonio Brown because what he's doing is, is that he's just going on and on, complaining, complaining, complaining about the organization until eventually they've just had enough and they caught him. Now, the Jets are not going to cut him. They're not that stupid, of course, especially with Douglas. But Mayock got so tired of him that they just they got rid of him. They got so sick of him ripping the organization, ripping it to shreds. Mm-hmm. He did the same thing in Pittsburgh. And then Pittsburgh traded him to Oakland. And now that trade looks like a steal. The Steeler trade, which everyone got rep- ripped, ripped to shreds on, with the Raiders turns out to be an absolute steal because Antonio Brown didn't play one snap with the Oakland, with the Oakland Raiders. 
And then he wound up getting his wish and going to freaking New England. And quite frankly, if it wasn't for a sexual assault allegation made by his trainer, he would have still been in New England for this year. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. So he is no, right now, Jamal Adams is no different than Antonio Brown. He is no different than Odell Beckham. This is what he wants. This is the type of player he is. His true colors have officially been revealed. He is not about the team. He is about Jamal Adams. And there's nothing wrong with getting in, you know, you want to get paid or whatever. But is it possible you could just live up to the contract? Would it kill you to live up to the contract? Like, I can see him making this, not, not this big of a deal, but maybe next year, you know, when you have a year left. Okay, you want to say something? Yeah, go ahead. And I think that that's why Douglas isn't really pushing right now because he yeah. doesn't know what's going to happen next year. Yeah. You know, this COVID-19 really messed up a lot of things for sports. I mean, right now, I'm pretty sure we're not having baseball. Oh, yeah, I, I already gave baseball up. Has be- baseball has become a tease. It's a I already, tease. I already gave up on that. Although we may have baseball because the Long Island Ducks are very close to having a season with fans. I'll go to Ducks games. Okay. However, it's not going to be the entire Atlantic League. I think it's going to be just like some select teams and they're working with other teams to try to like get them, you know, just where it's nearby everybody, where they don't have to like. But still, it's become a tease. And the thing is the virus has really kind of really hurt us you know the nba players are now showing hesitancy in restarting the season that's another issue you have baseball who can't even get their act together it's not even about testing anymore it's about it's just about money Mm -hmm. if you know it's very simple per thing if the players want to take the if the players are going to take the risk the players want to get paid that's pretty much what it's come down to right yeah and you know it's like you mentioned Maybe Gase is holding off to see, you know, what the what Roger Goodell and the rest of the NFL executives are going to say. Because right now we have no idea if there is going to be an NFL season this year. And then if, say, we do give him a contract, we'll look just as – not bad – well, not as bad as what the Dodgers did, but the Dodgers, the Dodgers are basically wasting – got a wasted season out of uh, Mookie Betts because they didn't play. You cannot cave into these guys every time they throw a tantrum about money. Okay, that's what Douglas is standing by. Standing, Douglas is basically saying, you can whine and bitch and moan all you want. I hold the cards and you don't. Exactly. You play for me, you work for me. So you are going to play this year. And if you don't, you could sit out the season, you'll get fined up the ass, and you'll have to pay it. That's exactly what Douglas is going to do. And then he'll work on maybe getting a trade. If that's the case, because I actually think the Jets want to sign him. I think the Jets do too. I think I know the Jets do. Because I think, you know, with, with a coordinator like Greg Williams, and we saw how much of Jamal Adams' game did improve last year in, in some games. Yeah, he did, he did have five, five and a half sacks against the Redskins and Giants. Not I, guarantee, I guarantee you where this is going, he's going to blame Gates. Yep. Guarantee it. Because it's the only out he has to save his ass. That's exactly what it is. He's going to blame Gase, which the fan base is going to flip the hell out about. And then Gase is going to sit there and like, I don't know what the hell you're talking about. Yeah, because Gase, Gase does not do anything with this defense. It, this is all Greg Williams. Do you That's really like, think that Gase is sitting there right now saying, I don't want to sign Jamal Adams? No, I don't think he's saying that at all. I think all the executives in the New York Jets, in the front office, the coaching staff, everyone wants Jamal Adams here. The players probably want Jamal. Maybe not after that video yesterday. But well, he's going to have to listen. First of all, he's going to have to do a lot of apologizing for that video if he's going to come stay with the Jets. Because listen, I know the Jets. The Jets don't owe anybody any favors. They have always, you know, they have used up all their credit with the fan base at this point through bad draft picks, bad signings, bad coaches, and bad general managers, and bad ownership. Because I don't think Christopher Johnson's a great owner. Because, again, if you wanted Joe D, you should have just got him before the draft. Right. And instead, you let McCagnan run the draft, and you knew there was drama with him and Gase, and then you dumped McCagnan after the draft, 
And we were stuck with guys like, no disrespect to Trevon Wesco, good player, but we don't need a tight end. This is just an example of like, you know, the fact that McCagnan never drafted offensive linemen. Douglas has to fix all that now. Yeah. He's got to fix all that. So, I mean, I hate to say we're, we're I wouldn't call it a rebuild, but he's got to tweak the roster. Yeah, At the end of the day, if he can get more for Jamal Adams, I'm sure he will definitely entertain offers. Look, I would it's, love I, – I think whatever team we if, – if we do trade him to, we got to fleece whatever team we trade him to because it's it, – we have to. Like, I want – like, I, I was texting my buddy over the weekend just like – Because trust me, I'll tell you something right now. He trades Jamal Adams to a team like Jacksonville and comes back with Ngakwe and a pick. He's going to sign Ngakwe to a long-term deal. Oh, absolutely. Ngakwe's not leaving the Jets because they need a pass rusher. One, two, one player, I, I, I texted my uh, friend. I was like, one player I would love. They would never do this trade. Well, not the Jets. The Jets would probably do this trade. The four, it was the 49ers. It was Jets for Nick Bosa, straight up. I would do that trade in a heartbeat. You know, some of the deals I saw, like there was a couple of deals, like obviously the one, there was one for Gallup and a first round pick for Adams. I think it was for Adams and a fourth. And I'm like, I'm not trading a draft pick. You're taking Jamal Adams and I'm taking Gallup and a first. I, yeah, I wanted uh, I was like, give me CD lamb, a second and a fourth. And I'll be happy. Like I would take CD lamb for, I would take I, CD lamb easily, which leads me to that too. He wants to go to Dallas, a team that hasn't won in over 20 years. Yeah. And they haven't won since the 90s when it was Aikman and Emmett Smith and Michael Irvin. And yeah. they are always predicted to be this amazing team, and they're never an amazing team. And this is with Dak Prescott. This is with Ezekiel Elliott. This is with Amari Cooper. This is with a great offensive line, Demarcus Lawrence. And they still can barely beat the Eagles half the time. And do you think they're going to be better than teams like the 49ers? Do you think they're going to be better? They may not even be better than the Buccaneers yeah. or the Saints There's a or, lot the, or even the Vikings. Like, I just, like, I just don't get – like, first, personally, I don't think the Cowboys should make a move for Jamal Adams. And, but it's also the fact that Jamal Adams also came out and said he does not care if the, the team he gets traded to signs him back, which even means more that he just wants out of New York. Like Dak Prescott, we talked about this on one of our shows. Dak Prescott just got that $31 million franchise tender. Yeah. So Dak Prescott, to me, people are like, oh, he's a top 10 quarterback. Is he? No. First of all, he has never led this team to the the NFC Championship game, let alone a Super Bowl. And, yeah, while his stats are great and everything like that, he doesn't really turn the ball over too much. I don't see anything out of Dak Prescott that tells me that – he is the guy to lead the Cowboys to the promised land. Yeah, exactly. And I've talked ex- to Cowboys fans, too, about that. And this. the excuse for Dak is, well, it's Garrett. It was Jason Garrett. Just like with the Jets, it's Adam Gase. It's Gase. We have to stop using this guy as a scapegoat, okay? You know, Jet fans are Jet fans. They're hungry for a playoff berth, and I don't blame them. They have every right to be pissed off. But at the end of the day, they have to understand that this is not always on the coach. This is the player causing a problem. This is the player that's not going to budge or just, you know, has to have his contract right now. And he uses the, well, they promised me this. Okay, it's June. It's June. And you still have three years left on your contract. The only thing you can do at this point is it may get worse before it gets better, and Douglas may just want to get out from under it. But don't think for a minute that he's going to take some crap-ass deal to get for, from a team that wants Jamal Adams. No, exactly. Douglas is going to try and fleece whatever he can out of the team we trade him to. All right, let's jump to the other topic of the day, and that was something we were going to talk about last week, but we kind of forgot we ran out of time, and then we weren't able to do a show Friday. And um, that's really the story of the New York Islanders. And basically with Prokhorov coming out and shutting down Nassau Coliseum. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know the whole story. I, the financials to me, I, I know that they're in debt. It's like $100 million in loans. It's kind of a, it's a bit of a shit show when it comes to that thing. And that's fine. Um, here's the thing about that. Number one, and maybe I'm just, 
maybe it's just me. I don't have a problem going to Barclays Center next year for one more year. The Belmont Arena is still going to go off as scheduled. It's still going to start, you know, play is going to start in 2021 for 22 season. So I can live with Barclays for one more year. That being said, the fan base has got to stop killing the Islanders. Mm -hmm. Like it's their fault. This is not their fault. This is an organization that just wants an arena. That's it. They want a home. And they're going to get it in another year when they go to Belmont. And this will all look back on this and just say, yeah, whatever. You know, big whoop. But here's the problem. Fans right away are like, oh, the Islanders, you know, you know, the you know, typical Islanders, you know, they just can't, you know, this or this is ridiculous and everything. I don't blame the Islanders. I blame the Nassau politicians. I blame the Nassau politicians for not thinking this wasn't a marketable venture. I blame the Nassau politicians for always dragging their feet when it came to this, to this hockey team. A hockey team that has the most hardcore fans you'll ever see. A hockey team that always seems to have trouble luring free agents because people just don't want to come to Long Island. So that's why they spend years and years just building through the draft. Mm -hmm. So they just have homegrown kids. Just like it was when they had Nystrom, when they had Gillies, and they had Bossy, and they had uh, Morrow and Sutter and Trache and all that. The thing that bothers me is, is that they had a long time ago, Nassau County had a referendum to raise, to build a state, an arena for the Islanders right on the Coliseum grounds. It would have been like the whole, it would have been a scaled down version of the lighthouse project that Wong, Charles Wong was really pushing for, but was way over his head. I remember that. Oh my God. Okay. It was like a billion dollar thing and it was just going to be a complete mess. You know, that area. The only thing it would have done for the Nassau County residents, it would have raised their taxes, I think $50 a year, which is not a lot. Mm-hmm. But people get it in their heads that, oh, it's $50 and I pay enough. And listen, Long Island taxes are insane. You know, as a homeowner, I pay county taxes and village taxes because Limbrook is a village. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, if you're going to tell me that you're going to sit there and bitch and moan about $50 in taxes per year, then I don't want to hear you complaining. You'll be the same jerk that takes their kid to see Britney Spears at this new arena and say, oh my God, this, is, this arena is phenomenal. It, it's beautiful, everything about it. And they drag their feet and they drag their feet and they basically purposefully swayed the vote to a no. Purposefully. Mm-hmm. They were literally bussing people in to vote no. And all these, act, these, these groups like, you know, Better Long Island groups and all that stuff, they all say the same shit. They all say, well, we really want to give them what they deserve and this isn't it and everything. Okay, well, what is your plan then? What is your plan to give the Islanders what they deserve? This team just wants a home. They had it for so long with the old barn. And all, all Wong was trying to do was build a new arena. Mm-hmm. And they couldn't even do that because they never thought in a million years Wong would move the team anywhere. Remember that period where they were talking about moving the Islanders to Quebec? Yeah. To bring back the Nordiques? Mm-hmm. Or the fact they were, thinking about, they were thinking about moving them to Kansas City? Yeah, I remember those talks. And the, and the thing was, the Kansas City thing was dead because when they did an exhibition game, nobody went to the game. But Quebec, remember all those there – were, there were Quebec fans at a game I went to mm-hmm. sitting in the upper deck wearing nothing but Nordiques jerseys. It was like literally 30 or 40 of them. And they all bust in from Quebec and they went to the game. And then what did Wong do? Wong said, okay, you want to be a dick? I'm going to be a dick too. I'm moving the team to Brooklyn. Now in hindsight, that may not have been the greatest decision because the Barclays center was not built for hockey. It was only built for basketball. Yeah. Basketball. It was constructed, but at the same time, the Islanders needed a home. They needed a new arena. They couldn't live with doing the, you know, and it became the same bullshit. It was like, oh, we'll just, we'll just do the necessary repairs for the Coliseum. No, that stadium, that, that arena was falling apart. 
Yeah. And quite frankly, I mean, yeah, are there areas of the Barclays where they're obstructed? Sure. But overall, I like Barclays Center. I have no problem with going to Barclays Center for a hockey game. I, I, I saw a couple games there. I didn't, I didn't hate it, but it just, it, you know, it just wasn't the same as watching a game at the Coliseum. Yeah, of course it's not. It'll never be like that. Yeah. I'm sure the Belmont Arena will do its best to bring the, you know, bring the traditions in and all that stuff. I totally believe that. But it's like, again, this all falls on Nassau County. Now, what's left of the Nassau Coliseum, and listen, I like the new Coliseum overall. You know, I mean, I don't love the fact that the concourses aren't great and the bathrooms haven't been changed. They just gave it a paint job and, and new toilets. But it was still a good place to go to a hockey game, even if it didn't have what it was. Even if it didn't have the suites and all that stuff. It was a great place to go see a concert. Oh, yeah. You went to see Kiss there, right? Yeah. Yeah, I saw Kiss there. They, ooh, so good. So good. I saw Metallica there. It was probably one of my favorite concerts of all time there. My dad's seen plenty of concerts there. And he, always, he always said the National Coliseum holds up to every concert that's been there. Yeah, it's fantastic. And now we have a more drawn. Now, listen, it doesn't really phase the Islanders this year because they're, they're playing at neutral sites. They're, the rumor is they're going to be playing their playoff games in Vegas. Oh. So this doesn't phase the Islanders this year. But I'm saying that it's very frustrating, and I feel bad for them because this is just a team that just seems to never be able to catch a break. You know, the fan base is bitching about this. You know, the fan base is loyal. That's who they are. We know they don't want to, want to deal with fans. We got it. It was like, remember when we had Andrew on, the, Andrew Gross on? Yeah. And I said about Barkley Center how when they tried to change the, you know, the, the horn when they score a goal to like a subway and the fans freaked out about it. So they weren't I, even going to have the organist, the, the, the organ player that they've had at the Coliseum. He wasn't part of the new plan for the Barkley Center. And yeah. the fans freaked out about that too. Yeah. So look, you could, the, for all the New York sports teams that the, the New York has, whether it's the Mets, the Jets, Islanders, uh, Knicks, Nets, whatever, Islanders fans and Rangers fans are probably the most dedicated New York sports fans that I've ever seen in my life. You know, and we've had, like I said, even too, when we, when we talked about Andrew, when we had Andrew on, I always throw out a tweet about who's coming on the show. You know, if some, if we have someone on the show, Islanders fans came out of the woodwork and loved every, like there were, I, that was my probably the most favorited tweet that we've ever had so far on, at, on the A1 account. And it's because Islanders fans are so goddamn loyal, and you got you got to love it about them. We do. And the thing is, you know, they go to every game. You know, they bleed orange and blue. You know, most of their fans are on the Suffolk County area, so that's probably why it's tougher for them to go to Brooklyn. But listen, for one more year, it's not going to kill you. You know, just grin and bear it, suck it up, and just go to Brooklyn for a game. If you don't want to go to a game, don't go to a game. Mm-hmm. You know, but then give them Saturday night games so fans can get out there. You know, that was another thing that Prokhorov kind of would screw them up on is the fact that they never gave them good, good days for games, yeah. home games. He used to give them like Monday nights and Tuesday nights. Saturday nights, he never gave them Saturday night hockey because he always wanted it for concerts or I guess for the Nets or whatever it was. It's not the Islanders' fault that Prokhorov is deciding to shut down the Nassau Coliseum. Yeah. I blame this on the Nassau County politicians that could have easily given this team the home that they wanted right where they wanted. Because you know what happens now? Now all those bars and businesses that are closed because Hofstra's not having students, what are they going to do? They're all going to go out of business. Yeah, it's going to be tough. Like, I've driven by the Hofstra Strip and, like, time and time again. And, you know, bars are closing over there. Like, the ones, like, I know at least, they're starting to close a little bit. It's not going to be good, especially now that the Islanders are not going to be there for a year. Hofstra doesn't have a football team anymore, so they can't even they can't they can't even capitalize on that. They're really banking on the Islanders playing games at the Coliseum, and now you don't have that anymore. Yeah, that area is going to become a ghost town, dude. It's going to be such a ghost town. And it's sad. It's really sad. And again, this could have all been avoided if Nassau had just not dragged their feet for so many years and just given this team the home they need. But that's my take on that. All right, Clem, you got your question of the day? Yes, I got my quiz of the day. All right, go. 
Since 2010, the Jets have drafted four defensive backs in the first round. Can you name those four? Jamal Adams. Yes. Kyle Wilson. Yep. Um, D. Milner. Yep. And um, Calvin Pryor. Yes. I try to keep it. I try to keep it on the Jamal Adams side of things. And I was like, you know what? This- D. Milner, D. Milner, I thought I think D. Milner was – I thought it was 2009 was D. Milner, but I guess not. No, Milner was 2013 because he got drafted alongside Sheldon Richardson. Okay. So, all right, good, good quiz of the day. I like it. All right, anything before we get out of here? Yeah, I want to talk about uh, – I know you, you probably saw it today. It was, um, you know, NASCAR starting to – pick back up with some races, whatever. And the big news coming out of NASCAR was uh, uh, Bubba Wallace, African-American racer, found a noose in his garage over the weekend. (sighs) Unfortunately, there are people that just will never learn. And it's just sad because it's time to get over the hate. It it is. And as much as I like, I'm, I'm, you know, Black Lives Matter, I'm I'm for it and everything. And as sick as this is to say, it's racism is going to be with us for a long, long, long time. It's, I'm getting tired of people saying all lives matter because we know that already. We're yeah. not stupid. The minute you, you try to say black lives matter, every, there's always some asshole who jumps in and says, oh, but all lives matter. Yeah. Yeah, we know that. We shouldn't kill our own. <laughs> it's like, yeah, like, we know, yeah. It's like, we shouldn't kill our own. Duh. <laughs> You know, like, but that's how stupid people really are. And that's how ignorant people are and small minded they are yeah. and naive because this is exactly what they do. They run to that defense right away. No one is saying that white lives matter more than black lives. No one is saying black lives matter more than white lives. We know all lives matter, but people are sick and tired of black people getting injured, assaulted and murdered by, by cops. They're tired. They are tired. And the thing is, look, does it happen all the time? No, of course it doesn't happen every it doesn't happen every five minutes. It doesn't happen on every shift of a police. Mm-hmm. Because here's the, pro- here's the problem. That Seattle no police zone is now showing cracks because two people have been killed in, in the, in over the weekend. Mm-hmm. You need law. You just don't need it the way that it's been in the, to what we are accustomed to. Exactly, yeah. And this, and this thing with NASCAR, you know, NASCAR has been very bold and they've been very outlandish. I love what they did. I yeah. love what they did. They pushed his car and, like, everybody was lined up behind him. Yeah. I thought that was amazing. I, I love it. And NASCAR has been taking all the appropriate steps, you know, to, you know, banning, like, banning the Confederate flag, which mm-hmm. is probably so prominent at these ra- – I've never been to a race, okay? And I've only watched, like, races here and there on TV. And I'm pretty sure that Confederate flag flies, flew high back in the day. But now, you know, with all this time, NASCAR did the right thing. Ban the flag. And people, obviously, you know, NASCAR, big big in the South. Not big up here in New York. But it's big in the South, and people were not taking lightly that. And you have sick animals that are leaving nooses in this guy's garage. Like, really? Like, come on. They just have to be reminded. You know what they do? That's the type of crap they do just to let you know they're there. Yeah. And there's still people that exist that don't like black people, that don't want anything to do with them. You know, and it's a shame that this is the kind of country. I mean, unfortunately, we're still living in, you know, the 60s and and all that stuff. And we're still living with the segregation and all the bullshit because that's just how people choose to live. It's a sad, it's a sad fact of life. And I feel really, you know, you hear that story about Bubba Wallace and it just rips your damn heart out. It's it's sickening me because it's like. It's it's just it's just crazy, you know that the, that the, it, it's getting to like these extent levels. You're leaving a noose in someone's garage for a NASCAR event. Like it's just su- it's such a disappointment, and I can't I can't wait to figure because NASCAR will have an investigation for this. And yeah, there, are, there are no words. There are no words for how no it's done. words. It's like it's, that's like leaving like a Klansman mask in or in in the ma- in in the guy's garage too. It's like and it's like you said. It's like it's not. It's not like they would act on it, but it's like, hey, we're still here and around, you know. We're just not showing our face. Listen, give NASCAR a big plus for what they did. I thought it was really awesome. I thought they did a great job. I think NASCAR, yeah, NASCAR's been doing all the right things. Yeah, with everything. Um, 
couple of notes. Uh, the U.S. Open is going to be played as scheduled at the Arthur Ashe Tennis Center this year uh, with no fans. Um, at first, they were people were a little bit nervous about it, and players were nervous about it. And then Serena Williams came out and said that she will be participating in the tournament. So that was a big step by Serena. And I've never been the biggest Serena fan. I mean, I, she's a phenomenal tennis player. <laughs> we'll take that. You know, yeah. she's probably the. But I've I've always felt when she loses, there's always an excuse. Yeah. I feel like sometimes she doesn't know how to just take the high road and just say, "Yeah, I lost." Yeah. So. But. Her signing up for the tournament, in my opinion, pretty much exonerate. Like pretty much said, "Hey." It, it pretty much reinforced the decision to have the tournament. Right. Because if she didn't sign up, and, you know, Federer and Nadal were all very nervous. Jokovic, um, Jokovic was supposed to do a, an exhibition, I think, in Croatia with uh, Grigor Dimitrov, and he just tested positive for COVID. Mm -hmm. So that's off. So when that, something like that happens, a guy like Jokovic is going to be, be very hesitant to, to sign up because he doesn't want to get sick, you know. But – it's good news. I'm a tennis. I like tennis a lot, so I'm. I would watch it regardless. I'll watch it on TV, no problem. Yeah, I'm, I'm not yeah. that big into tennis. My It'll be awkward. Listen, it's it's always been a little bit of a, what's the elitist sport? I found it to be. You know, the people that go to these events are very conceited. You know, they think they're better than everyone because they have money and they 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 could spend twenty dollars on a freaking martini and all that stuff because that's what stuff costs there. Everything is super, super, super expensive. Yeah, my. My dad said he went there one time because he got, like, free tickets to go watch the U.S. Open. And he went online to go get food or something like that. He was like, hey, can I get a beer? And they were like, yeah, we don't sell beer. Like, they sell, like, like some high-end shit. Like, I, didn't, I don't remember what it That's was. That's what it is. It's exactly what it is. It's like they don't sell hot dogs or nothing there. I'm just like. It's like a turkey club, and it's like $18 for the, for the sandwich. It's like it's, it's so, I mean, I basically bought a Gatorade. I think I paid $7 for a Gatorade. Jeez. That was like the highlight because you're there all day. Yeah. People are there literally from the minute you walk in when matches start at 11 and they run to like the afternoon. Yeah. So they know you're going to be there all day so they can charge whatever they want. Yeah. I just thought about it. Since we mentioned you, I just thought about that one episode of Seinfeld when George is at the U.S. Open. He's just eating the ice cream and he's on the jumbo. <laughs> the, you know, it's, it's funny as hell. Like I love going, like I've gone to the open a lot of times. I actually went last year too. And you know, I got to see one of my favorites is Nick Kyrgios, right? Kyrgios is from Australia. He's like the 30th ranked tennis player in the world, but he's a hothead. He's like, he's like this generation's McEnroe, although he's not as good as McEnroe. And every time he doesn't like a call, he like smacks the ball into the upper deck of the stadium. Like he throws his racket, you know, he gets super pissed off, you know? And, you know, Kyrgios was like the guy I was always looking forward to seeing. And sure as hell, he didn't disappoint. <laughs> he didn't like a call by the judge and he took that ball and just hit it like a freaking home run in like, you know, in city field. See, I think that's what tennis needs. They need more guys like that. Some more John McEnroe. But again, it's a very elitist sport. So they don't take kindly to shit like that. They don't take kindly to the bad boys throwing rackets and getting mad. My dad said, if I watched John McEnroe back in the day, I would have loved tennis. McEnroe was crazy. He was a psychopath. <laughs> he was an absolute psychopath, but he was a phenomenal tennis player. So, all right, well, listen, that's going to do it for the Moffat on the Mic show for today. Uh, you can follow the show, as always, on Instagram at Moffat on the Mic, Twitter at Moffat on the Mic, and my Facebook page as well. Follow Clem and the A1 Sports Radio Network on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, just to let you guys know, Christine Nguyen put our interview up on her, on her YouTube channel. So definitely subscribe to the CNN channel. That's capital C-E-E-N-N. And uh, she has a lot of awesome material on there, as well as she just did our show from last week. We, have, we actually got some good feedback on the show, Clem. A couple of her fans definitely liked it. And, um, you know, so. Well, that's so far, that's been our most listened to episode so far. Yeah, so we're pretty, you know, we, we love her. She's amazing. And, you know, we thank her for all the support and everything. Um, definitely check out her stuff on the, on the YouTube channel. And, uh, Clem, thank you for holding it down like you normally do. And uh, our next show, we're going to just do really talk about this thing with wrestling. Well, you know, sexual harassment that's gone on because it was literally a powder keg of information coming out all weekend. And uh, we're going to get into it. It was mostly on the indie circuit. 
And, um, you know, we're going to just do a, just a show specifically on that. So on behalf of Chris Clem, I am Craig Moffat. You've been listening to the Moffat on the Mic radio show. Thank you for listening. Wherever you are, stay safe. Getting better. Phase three, Wednesday. So gear up, folks. And uh, everyone, wherever you are, again, stay safe. Wear the mask. Don't be a douche. And uh, that's it. So everybody have a great day. And uh, we'll be back again very soon.